brand new episode of Talking Movies. I'm one of your co-hosts, Rod Sani. I'm your other co-host, Sam. Thank you for joining us. If you're listening to the podcast for the first time, what we'll be doing today, we'll be talking about some movie and TV news, then we'll get into some what we've been watching, and then later on this week, we'll have a featured segment. Um, in the news section, we'll be talking about the Your Name remake, Mandalorian, uh, some MCU talk, as well as a few other things. Let's go ahead and get right into it. And Sam, this is probably... Maybe the most exciting news story that I've gotten in a long time. I feel like I've said that a few times over the span of, um, what, the past maybe a couple months. But uh, Lee Isaac Chung has been tapped to direct the year name live ad- uh, live action adaptation. This comes from Deadline. We heard about this adaptation being made like a year after the animated version came out. So like back in 2017 is when we heard that this movie was actually being made, uh, produced by Bad Robot, which is J.J. Uh, Abrams' company in association with Toho, who I believe produced the original one as well, or were producers on the original one as well. Um, Lee Isaac Chung, if that name doesn't stand out to you, he is the sort of breakout director out of Sundance Film Festival this year. He directed Minari, which we both talked about quite a bit on our preview episode. Um, also being attached to this is Emily V. Gordon, who's the wife of Camille Nanjiani, who also wrote The Big Sick. Um, she's written a pass at the script, and Eric Heiser, the original or the writer of Arrival, wrote the, I think, original script, which Emily V. Gordon came on to do a sort of pass on. Um, this is really, really exciting news. I- I'm glad that they didn't go after one of these like crazy sort of big name directors and they kind of brought in a young up-and-comer who's uh, a, a diverse voice but also a talented voice kind of by the acclaim that we heard about Minari at, at Sundance this year. Um, well I'm pretty pretty skeptical about this one actually because of the fact that you know I haven't seen anything by uh, Lee Isaac Chung you know he has he had a lot of acclaim because of Sundance because of Minari but you know with him you know teaming up with Emily B. Gordon who I've only seen the big sick and I think that's her only uh film credit to her name on top of the fact that Eric Heiser has more duds to his name as opposed to wins because he has like Bloodshot, Bird Box, Final Destination 5 and I think it's like a bit of a miracle the fact that a movie that he wrote was like a huge Oscar player so and the fact that you know it's a it's an animated adaptation and you know how these go like there haven't there hasn't been I can't off the top of my head I can't think of any of them that have been like well received at the very least. So the fact that, you know, we have like this kind of young core, young unproven core, not unproven, but like inexperienced to say in a sense, taking on this huge project kind of scares me. And um, hopefully if they are making this, a li- since they are making this a live action, they need to go for somebody who is very talented behind the camera in regards to cinematography because the reason, one of the reasons at least that Your Name was such a huge hit was because of the incredible animation on display. So if they want to make this as, you know, as faithful as possible, they need to bring on somebody like a Roger Deakins or Hoyt Van Hoytema to helm this movie because if not, they run the risk of alienating the fans of their original movie. I, I think I agree with you in the sense of like that this does need to be a beautiful looking movie on top of anything else. Like, and if that's the case and the movie's not good, at least it'll be like a visual spectacle. And that's something that we can at least admire about it because the original is so stunning um, in the way that it's animated where I differ from you a little bit. Um, here's a couple things like I, this project is not just something that bad robot went and picked up because um, your name is one of the most like financially profitable movies in Japan's history, if not the most financially profitable movie in Japan's history. Um, but this was something that the original creators of the project itself from Japan brought over to American studios and said, this is something that we want to do. Um, we want to transpose this Japanese story onto an American living. So like this version of it is not going to be set in Japan. It's actually set in Chicago and sort of telling the story of somebody who's living in the city in Chicago versus somebody who's living in like the suburbs outside of Chicago. Um, 
um, and they brought it to they brought it to the U.S. because they wanted to tell it from a different perspective. So I don't know if that changes your view on it at all. That certainly had me a little mm. bit more optimistic. They're also shepherding the project, so they're sort of you know the producers of the original project are on this project as producers. So they're not just like they're not just putting this thing in J.J. Abrams' hand and walking off. They're ha they have creative development power in this. Um, they have a stake in this, so that's also pretty big. Okay. And on, on top of that, Lee Isaac Chung, um, you know, from his story of Minari, which is om almost sort of a, a biographical piece for him because it's about um, somebody who's coming to America from Korea and who's living, I believe, in somewhere in the Midwest. So like a very, like, you know, um, urban Americana sort of city or town or whatever it may be. And so he has that sort of experience of, of trend, you know, taking a story that is rooted in some sort of Asian culture, although he is Korean and not Japanese, and bringing it over to America and telling it from an American's perspective. So like that all combined together has me a lot more optimistic for this than I was before he was attached to it. But there's still the skepticism of the fact that it's not a like a direct, you know, adaptation from the original movie. Because even if the original filmmakers and the creators of Your Name from Japan have this idea of what it could be with in regards to like a live action and produced in the West, that might not even mean that the fans of the original movie might uh, like the movie. You know. Yeah, I, I completely get that. And, and I think like to your original point about anime adaptations always being pretty bad when they're live action, that always like is going to be in the back of my head until I see this thing. So there's always going to be that skepticism uh, on the side of it. But mm -hmm. like, because I love this movie so much and I like this creative team involved, like J.J. Abrams, you know, say what you will about his directorial efforts, but he is an incredible producer when you look at things, you know, that are even on TV right now, like Westworld and Lovecraft Country. Like he's, he does good stuff as a producer, the Cloverfield movies as well. Um, so I trust him as a producer and the fact that the original um, creators of this project wanted this thing to become an American story, that, that I think is the most promising thing about it. So then we might just see uh, Makoto Shinkai maybe even coming in along and writing yeah. a couple of things about of, of the movie. Well, I think that him and Jay, like stories, at least. I think in the sort of selling of this project to uh, Bad Robot, him and J.J. Abram actually developed a pretty close relationship as friends. Um, so I think that that's going to, you know, J.J. is obviously going to go to Makoto Shinkai and be like, hey, this is where we kind of stand. And Makoto Shinkai is going to be, you know, he's he's not going to get like dailies by any means because he's not the director, but he is mm -hmm. going to see different cuts of the movie and make sure that it's on track to hit what they sort of agreed on in their creative partnership. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's his IP and it's his, his biggest movie. So I would think that he has a lot of input in regards to how this is going to be made. Yeah. And I mean, looking at, you know, you and I have a little bit of knowledge about the way that the Japanese film industry works, especially in anime, like these creators, they're you know they're very uh, clever they do very good stuff but they're also oftentimes I don't want to say difficult but they are very stuck <laughs> to their own ideas and when people sort of uh, butcher their ideas they're not happy about it that's why Hayao Miyazaki is like that's why he's successful because he's so strict with the things that he does and that's why his movies succeed every every single time he puts one out that's um, very true so, so like yeah. that's kind of again like another point of optimism I have here I, I certainly understand your skepticism but I think I'm a little bit more on the optimistic side now I think we just gotta see how this trailer turns out even just the first look of <laughs> images of when this movie comes out or cast. even made cast cast too. cast as well and you was just see how they um portray Chicago in regards to the story mm-hmm I guess, you know, we have to wait and see, but I'm still very skeptical about it. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, let's see what comes down the road. I, I'm just glad that it's finally moving forward because it's been like two plus years since we had heard anything about this thing. So that, right. that has me excited. Um, next up on the agenda, another pretty exciting thing. We got our first trailer for The Mandalorian Season 2. Uh, you and I talked about, you know, our, our skepticism about this season coming out <laughs> because of our hesitation with the first season and the episodic nature of it. Right. Um, I will say, though, and Star Wars trailers are always cut well. So that's not something that I'm really going to get too excited about. But this trailer is really, really good. 
And what's most, I think, promising and exciting about this trailer is the fact that, like, it, it gives us some insight into what the story is going to be. And it basically looks like the Mandalorian, the character that Pedro Pascal plays, has to go and take Baby Yoda to the Jedi, find them, the Jedi that are still left, and sort of shepherd him into a, you know, get him in with the Jedi that are still living because there's not a very large group of them still around at this point in time uh, following the episode six. So, like, that, that in itself sounds like a really cool idea and it's obviously going to now start bleeding into the lore and the mythology of what we know Star Wars to be. Um, did this trailer get you any more excited because of that skepticism? Um, it kept my excitement at the same level in regards to how we've, seen, we've been receiving like headlines about like casting and the sort of story that's going to go towards and like this or this trailer just encompassed that very well. Like, you know, we have, I think was that a Rosario Dawson we saw in the trailer? That's what I was going to ask you. It looked like it was going to be Ahsoka and it's talk. It's like that, that character, the, the black hooded character shows up at the same time that he's talking about getting to the Jedi and we know that Rosario Dustin is now a part of this so I, I that's what I assumed but I was going to actually ask you because I, I tried to get a close look and it was hard to tell it could be like a an assistant or something because you did you watch the the Clone Wars TV show I've watched part of the first season. I haven't made it all the way through by any means. I watched like only the first episode. It couldn't. It's, it's, not, great. it's not great, honestly. But, and, and the Ahsoka character at the beginning of the Clone Wars series is kind of annoying, to be quite honest. And I, I know that she gets better, and that's why she's a fan favorite now. Um, but that, that, you know, I thought it was her. I assume it is her. And that got me even more excited to get like our first look at that character and maybe quote unquote have her confirmed. Right. I mean, it could be either way. There's no way to tell from the trailer, but the fact that you know, they're trying to give Baby Yoda or whatever they're going to name this creature in the show back to like these quote unquote sorcerers of the Jedi of this universe. It makes me kind of try to juggle with the ideas of how this is going to tie into like the, the Skywalker saga in a sense, because we don't get any, uh, is this after Skywalker or is it during like a between? This is between episodes six and seven. Okay. So then that makes me even more curious because Ahsoka's never mentioned within like the, the, uh, sequel trilogy and you know we don't have no way of knowing if she's alive or dead and the way that it's going towards is going to be tying into at the very least Anakin's story because of Ahsoka so we're just going to have to wait and see how this one turns out in regards to maybe Yoda's storyline on top of Ahsoka's. Do you think we get any sort of looks at other Jedi that we're familiar with whether it be a Luke Skywalker or somebody a little less prominent from like the TV shows like a, a like a Ezra or something like that? The TV shows, maybe I don't. I wouldn't say Luke or Anakin or anybody like that because it would be very difficult to tie those stories together because of the continuity within like the trilogies. But most definitely, probably from the TV shows because I would see that more like an addition play, to Ahsoka. An addition to Ahsoka because it would play more, you know, well consistently in regards to, like the continuity of the story. I'm hoping that since the story is going in that direction, maybe they stray away from the episodic nature of the first season, but I'm not mm. so like high on that actually coming true. I would like, there was a, se- there was a sequence in the trailer that there was like, uh, that, what's it, the, what's his name? Which one? The Mandalorian. Is that, they just call him the Mandalorian the, yeah, on the show? Yeah, the Mandalorian, yeah. So he's like on this boat. I think they're going to give us like a, like a sea shanty pirate episode. Oh, God, I hope <laughs> not. That sounds so bad. <laughs> like, you see the trailer, like he's like on a boat, like getting transferred with him and Baby Yoda. And he's just like looking out into the, to the ocean. I hope not. Considering how the first season went, you never know. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping we don't get from this. <laughs> um, but that said, like, 
this the, you know like the the episodes that were good from season one were so good actually and, and the episodes that were bad were so bad <laughs> that like i'm kind of in the middle on where this lies right and, and i'll at least be happy with the fact that if the good episodes in this season are as good as the um, good episodes in the first season that'll at least like it's enough it's enough for me because we don't is have there, star wars right now we don't have any movies or anything coming out is there is there a standout moment for you from the trailer it is that shot of the person that I assume to be Ahsoka. Either that or like the sort of voiceover where the person is basically laying out the plot line. That's what stood out to me because it just gave me some information that I was itching for and it was exciting information on top of that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I agree. What about that. you? Um, the sequence, it was like a very short sequence where like the stormtroopers are chasing the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. I think it just gave me a really good sense of the excitement and the scale of this second season. Okay. Hopefully we get a lot of more of that and less of the episodic stuff we saw in season one. Yeah, I hope so. It's right around the corner, October 30th, I think is when it starts streaming. So we'll mm-hmm. be getting some insight into that pretty soon. Uh, next up here, first trailer for the trial of the Chicago 7. Um, we don't need to spend too much time on this because we got a lot of the details about this movie uh, from that Vanity Fair article that we talked about a while back but this is Aaron Sorkin's next project um, about the 19 was a 1969 Democratic National Convention um, starring people like uh, oh god this cast is insane Eddie Redmayne Sasha Baron Cohen Eddie Redmayne Jeremy Strong Yaya Abdul-Mateen Kelvin Harrison Jr. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt um, this trailer just you know it's, it's just as good as the Vanity Fair article was in terms of giving me some information and seeing what I wanted um, it wasn't quite as good as the Judas and the Black Messiah trailer that we got right, that, right but it had that sort of vibe of like empowering sort of like high octane very intense very thrilling um about important stuff it had that sort of vibe to the trailer yeah it looked like the marketers were emphasizing the tense political yeah. politicized like drama drama dramedy it could be mm-hmm. but um i think the fact that it, i th- they didn't show what the story was about or the movie was about i think they're just trying to bank on the fact that it's like a huge very noble cast or, mm-hmm. and, 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 and except for like the um, the actual story itself. Yeah. <laughs> um, the <clears throat> the thing that like sort of interests me about this, and we we got a little bit of detail about this from that Vanity Fair article, but it looks like it's going to be like a straight up like courtroom thriller. Like a lot of the movies right. take place in right. the courtroom, like interviewing Sasha Baron Cohen and whatnot. And I'm actually excited about that because Aaron Sorkin's stuff in the past that has like got him on the radar. People is like a lot of his courtroom stuff. Like uh, what was it called? A Few Good Men, right? Is that that's the one that he did? Where mm-hmm. the, um, so like he he has that sort of reputation of doing this kind of stuff and doing it well. Um, so that's like he's going back to his sort of comfort zone and with his director next directorial effort that gets me pretty excited. And the fact that you know he he's able to do such a good job with dialogue and like the fact that you know most of the scenes in Steve Jobs are just people talking in hallways, people talking in rooms, and we're getting all these great this insanely talented cast and they're just gonna be bantering off of each other based off a sorkin script so it's gonna be like a great you know dialogue heavy movie yeah Yeah, like Stephen joseph gordon levitt like going at it with yeah abdul mateen and eddie redmayne and stuff like that and sasha baron cohen like (laughs) do you you think that sasha baron cohen has a chance at like an oscar nomination because you know he was originally attached to play uh, freddie mercury and that was supposed to be his oscar play i would love to see that it would be so great like right at because borat 2 is apparently coming out next year as well so like right before borat 2 comes out sasha baron cohen's like in the heat of the oscar race at the same time that borat is doing its marketing that'd, that'd be, be hilarious that'd yeah be so i would good. love that um but yeah do, do you have any closing thoughts on this trailer or are you just kind of just as excited as <laughs> when's the know? release date i uh, end of october i think it's like the october 20th or around that so we gotta bite our time for both mandalorian and trial yeah, everything everything is gonna hit full force at the end of october <laughs> because uh that's how it usually is every year at the yeah, end of the year it's good 
this Sports. year, every, everything is going to be on streaming because all like all like the Oscar projects are getting picked up by Netflix. Or I'm hating that I'm seeing the fact that these, some of these trailers have only in theaters attached to the end of them. It's just yeah, it's frustrating. It's it's, <laughs> it's, it's like a it's like a slap in the face from the. Movie. It is. It really is. <laughs> it was a Dune, right? Dune. And I got I got an email recently because they're doing they announced last year doing the 4K restoration for Akira. Uh huh. Regal and like Fathom Events emailed me last this week uh-huh. saying, "Oh, hey, buy your tickets for the 4K restoration of Akira." Like, dude. I can't do that. You know yeah. I can't do that. That I was I was actually on the same page because um, we'll get into this a little bit later in reviews. But I was in the I was in the mood to watch some Bong Joon Ho stuff, and I was like, I need to watch Memories of a Murder. That that's sort of his next critically acclaimed thing, and it's not streaming anywhere. And Neon picked up the rights, so and every other Bong movie is on Hulu, but they're doing a Fathom Events thing in mid to end October for Memories of a Murder, like two day theatrical release before it gets its Criterion release and stuff like that. But it's not streaming anywhere. And I was like, why? You just picked up the rights. Like nobody's going to go to theater and at the end of October to watch the movie. Just put it on Hulu already. Yeah, man. Considering the fact that how much we love movies, we're not going to go out of our way to the theaters to watch these things. I don't know what they're thinking. <laughs> that says, that says something, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> couple of marvel related things here the first one let's talk about jonathan majors star of the five bloods last black man in san francisco and lovecraft country joining ant-man 3 um sources from the deadline report are suggesting that majors is going to be playing this sort of big uh all-timey sort of villain from the marvel comics entitled kang the conqueror um he's expected to be a main villain in this movie but also possibly spinning off into like sort of possibly being like from what marvel fanboys are suggesting maybe like the next phase is thanos in a way um Mm -hmm. because like this character is like time traveling and is basically faced off against all the heroes from like thor to spider-man in the comic books um and i imagine that if you're going to get an up-and-comer like jonathan majors you're not just going to get him as a side villain for just an ant-man movie i imagine his role is going to be bigger than that considering he's sort of hitting the peak of his stardom right now Mm -hmm. um you know myself i don't really have any (laughs) vested interest in the future of the Marvel franchise. I'll go watch the movies, but I don't care so much about speculating and all that kind of stuff. But uh, you're a little bit bigger fan of this franchise. Does this get you any more excited? Well, the fact that this is an Ant-Man movie kind of makes me skeptical because it's one of the lesser of the IP from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, I completely forgot that Lawrence Fishburne was a part of the Ant-Man 2, like the Wait, sequel. He was? Yeah, he was a part. Uh, he was like a professor. He, like, he was like in the middle of the movie. He was talking that. to like both Paul, Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly's characters. And like the fact that I forgot about because like there was, there was a picture that came out. It was um, Don Cheadle, Chadwick, Samuel L. Jackson, and like a bunch of other black actors that were in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then I saw Lawrence Fishburne and I was like, why is Lawrence Fishburne like the, only, <laughs> like the only one who's not in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? And I looked it up and I was like, oh wait, he was in Ant-Man 2. I had no idea. So I completely I forgot. The fact that I forgot about that mm-hmm. kind of makes me worried. But I think Jonathan Majors, I'm not a huge fan of him, but he is a talented guy. Like I've seen him in like the, like the last Black Man in San Francisco. I've seen him in the Five Bloods. I've seen him in Lovecraft Country. He's a solid actor. Dude is ripped as hell too. Like he already has the physique <laughs> down, down pat. Yeah, so he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to train for this role at all. Um, I think the fact that they want to introduce a huge villain into the Ant Man movie first is because of the fact that it's not a huge, you know, box office hit like the other movies are. So I think the, it's just kind of like trying to balance the scales in the in the way of you know making a Ant Man a much more bigger player in the same in the cinematic universe. But I can't really say much because I haven't read the comics in regards to King the Conqueror. I'm curious, why do you say you're not that big of a fan of him as an actor? Is because you haven't seen a lot of him, or you just don't think he's, like, popped up? No, 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 he, he's he's good. I just haven't been, like, wowed by him. Okay, that's fair. That's, that's, fair. The, only, that's the only thing. He's, no, a good, uh, he's a good actor. I get that. Yeah, he hasn't done anything that's sort of like, you know, like a Watchmen, if you see 
Yaya Abdul Mateen and like him sort of coming out in that show because I think a lot of people didn't know who he was before that that show and him coming out in that way. Um, maybe Jonathan Majors will do something similar towards the end of Love Cap Country. I guess we'll have to wait and see. But I, I agree with. I thought he was actually really good in uh, Last Black Man in San Francisco, but it was like a quieter role, so I guess it's harder to sort of pick up on on the. And up until Lovecraft Country, he's the secondary character. Yeah, like, that's true. That's true. He, but he was also really good in the Five Bloods because he, you know, he's playing a lot off Delroy Lindo, and that's right. not an easy ask either. Right. right? No, so. true. That's what, I'm saying that's what I'm saying. He's a good guy. I'm just haven't seen anything by him that I'd be like, oh wow, he's cast as King the Conqueror in the Ant Man you know, sequel. So, but like, he's he's a good actor. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, I'm excited for this. I, I like him as an actor. I hope he does get a little bit more recognition and acclaim after this. Um, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see if this villain is actually going to be the sort of prominent figure that a lot of people are. Spending speculating about um right before we started recording we also got the first look at wandavision this is the spin-off disney plus series about elizabeth olsen's character and uh who's the other guy paul bettany um vision and <laughs> wanda <laughs> um from the marvel cinematic universe um there was like some there were some rumors originally that this was going to be like you know in the vein of like an i love lucy and they were going to like sort of take um hints and stuff from that tv show and then we got screenshots and it kind of confirmed that weird strange rumor um and this trailer is further confirming those weird strange rumors um i have like no interest in the show i thought the trailer was cool i'm glad that the marvel cinematic universe is going in a different direction with something like this because this is so different from anything that that universe has done but i i don't think i'm gonna watch this show by any means yeah this is one of those that are like i think this is like the, the bottom of my list in regards to like the marvel cinematic universe tv shows that are gonna come on disney plus we have the loki show we have what if the animated show about like you know hypotheticals within the universe we have the um what's it called um which one the winter soldier and the falcon oh yeah, yeah. we have all these and, like i think this one would be like at the bottom of my list and like the fact that it was announced as like a i love lucy kind of tv thing made me even more skeptical about it and this trailer didn't really do much in the way of making me optimistic about the show yeah it, it does seem cool that they're pulling from like the 70s and 60s tv style and whatnot just but, like i i don't really like i don't understand like, it doesn't meld well yeah it doesn't like it doesn't feel a part of something and in some sense you know that is a good thing because i'm saying i want this universe to change but in another sense like it just feels like too out there that i'm like i, I don't know if i can really attach myself to this in any way <laughs> my understanding though is that this is actually going to play a major part in like the mcu moving forward so this hmm. might actually be something we have to watch just by sort of like being forced into it basically i don't know does that give you any hesitation at all i think the fact that there's another reason we aren't looking as much as forward to this one as the other ones is because like one one was it was the name one of maximoff and vision are mm -hmm. very much very secondary characters within mm -hmm. like the avengers movies because they don't have movies of their own and they haven't really had like you know prime time showing within the movies except for like a minor plot points or like a, like the fighting sequences or whatever. So I think maybe that's why I don't see myself like being as, you know, <clears throat> excited about this as the other TV shows. But um, I don't know. I think we just have to wait and see. I, I I'm really skeptical about this one because of how it's being executed. Mm -hmm. But you know, I can't really say for sure until I watch it. No, fair enough. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I don't even know when this is coming out. I don't think the trailer said <laughs> right. It didn't have a release date, and I guess everything in the MCU has been pushed back because they need to follow the release strategy. Because I guess everything overlaps in terms of storylines. Just and put it on Disney Plus at this point. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Come on. I, I don't know. I think the first is isn't the first one supposed to be the Falcon and the Winter Soldier? That's I think that's supposed to be the first one that's supposed to I mean, come on Disney. I have this on my phone. Hold on, let me pull it up. Because <laughs> I was looking, I was trying to remind myself of the 
TV shows that they have out there. So yeah, well, there's like, like what, like Moon Knight so is also one of them. WandaVision is December 2020. Okay. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier says late 2020. It doesn't specify a season. Okay. Then it's like Loki next year, What If next year, Hawkeye 2022, Miss mm-hmm. Marvel 2022, Moon Knight 2022, She-Hulk 2022. Okay. Oh, we also got She-Hulk casting this week, Tatiana Maslany, which is pretty exciting. Um, I mm-hmm. didn't want to make a full segment for this, but uh, <laughs> she should have been nominated for an Oscar for Stronger, which I think was Oh, yeah. Dude, that's so funny you mentioned that because I was like thinking about watching a Jake Gyllenhaal movie last night, but like Stronger is one of those movies. I've seen everything already. (laughs) Stronger is one of those movies that I cannot believe was like not even in the Oscar race because like both their performances in that thing are so good. Yeah. It's Um, just, I don't know. It it happens every year, man. Yeah, it does. Jake Gyllenhaal, (laughs) when will he win an Oscar? I don't know. I guess maybe. maybe It's it's the the Denis Villeneuve. That's that's exactly what I was just about to say. Maybe on that next (laughs) Denis team up. Um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see on that as well. All right, so let's go ahead and get into our reviews now. Um, We have one overlapping review, and I'm going to give a shout-out to a couple other things that I watched this week. Uh, The first being this movie called Alone. Sam, have you heard of this? Nope. No, it's a new movie, 2020 release um, on VOD this week. Um, So that's where I watched it. I rented it on iTunes. It's uh, sort of taut thriller about this woman who's on the road moving away from home, and this guy starts following her in his car, and uh, basically kidnaps her and she it becomes like a cat and mouse game um she's like kidnapped into the woods in the pacific midwest somewhere she has to escape from this guy and she's basically wandering around the woods for the span of like a full day or full night or whatever um trying to escape this guy um i like this movie i I didn't think it was great like i i seek this one out because i was like in the mood getting into like september and october i try to watch as much like horror and thrillers as i can coming up to halloween so that's why i sort of i was like this is a new one let me go check this one out um 2020 release good reviews at like 72 on metacritic but i wasn't like that impressed by it it was solid um it was good as a thriller the first half is actually really good when she's like stuck in the house and then the second half when it leaves the house and goes into the woods, it gets less intense. Um, so I wish they had kind of kept it more contained to the house because that's when I was actually feeling the tension mm. of the entire plot. Um, and I would no, by no means give this like a 772, 7.2, whatever you want to do on the rating scale. Um, but, you know, I would say if this is something that comes on like Amazon Prime or Netflix, it's definitely worth watching. But it's not something that you necessarily need to go out of your way and pay to see it the way I did. I'm looking at the things right now. I think the only person I recognize is Anthony Heald. Who, is he? <clears throat> who does he even play? I don't even know who the cast is. Like, I'm assuming he plays the main guy in the movie who's like the kidnapper. His name, his name is Robert, but he was like he was oh. like Dark, Frederick Chilton in the Sons of the Lambs okay, and okay. X Men: Last Stand. Okay, yeah, Robert's the old man that shows up like halfway through the movie. I think um, one of the characters' name is Man. Yeah, that's the kidnapper. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking <laughs> at it now. <laughs> that's the kidnapper. I think um, this sounds like a movie that you would watch if you have some free time. And you're like looking for something new to watch. Then yeah, it tries to like set up this weird like emotional backstory, and it doesn't capitalize on it at all, which is like really weird. Like I don't understand like why they go through the lengths of setting up this entire backstory if they're not going to do anything about it and like it spends the entire first half like saying like oh this girl has like this bad relationship with her mom and like the parents never come back like after the first 20 minutes they just like never show up again in the, on the phone or anything like that it's really weird um I, I didn't really love all that but uh the the sort of 30 minutes of it or so that is contained to the house after she's first kidnapped are really really good so i'll say that much Okay. Well, I mean, I'm not going to promise you I'm going to watch it, but if I do, I'll let you know. I probably wouldn't, rec- <laughs> I probably wouldn't recommend it to you if I'm being completely honest. So, okay. <laughs> um, but one thing I would recommend to you, Sam, is uh, Bong Joon-ho's 
movie from what 2009 i think is when it came out entitled mother um, okay so i saw i saw it on the show and i thought you were going to talk about darren aronofsky no no i hate darren <laughs> i hate the darren aronofsky oh my mother. god what's wrong with you <laughs> i hate that movie um this movie i do not hate i absolutely love this movie um i was sort of itching to watch as i mentioned earlier memories of a murder and i had seen a lot of bong's other stuff like uh host and, and uh snowpiercer and okja so so i was like what else can i watch and i saw that mother was on hulu so i was like okay i'm gonna watch this one um what i love about what bong does is like his movies it's so weird to say this because like they're oftentimes pretty extreme and pretty out there but they feel like true stories in a way um and i think it's because of the sort of messy nature of the way that you know the movie plays out and it you know they're never like full-on happy endings they're always Mm -hmm. sort of complicated endings complicated characters um and although they're in extreme situations it still feels like something that could happen to somebody that you know um and that's the way i mean like the editing in this thing is spot on the way it sort of recontextualizes thing in the back half of the movie um as you learn more and more details um to give you guys a general plot idea of it, it it's sort of um it's a it's a crime thriller basically it's about this guy who gets arrested for murdering a girl and the mother of the guy who's arrested is convinced that her son did not commit this murder so she goes on this epic journey in a way to try to uh release her son from jail um it's got a lot of the sort of bong comedy that you saw in parasite <laughs> like there's like a scene where a character like jumps and like drop kicks a car and it's just like this ridiculously slapstick sequence that you would expect to see in something like Parasite and it just even though this is a pretty dark and twisted movie it works so well because of Bong's style and I just love the way that he unravels the story uh, of you know Parasite but also in this like his storytelling is so unique because he he doesn't he doesn't give you what you're going to expect from it he goes completely down an unexpected route and, and you sort of really understand why he's doing what he's doing with the you know from the statements that he's making about society and economics and all that kind of stuff um it's just really really good really quality stuff and i can't wait till i finally get to see memories of murder now because i've heard that that's like his second best and and mother might be his third best what's his first best parasite right parasite yeah yeah. i I have a huge backlog with bong because i've only seen okja and i've only seen um parasite okay but i think i'm always gonna watch this movie at some point but it sounds like that Bong has murder in every single one of his movies. Yeah, he's like, he is a genre <laughs> director. He's very much a genre director because Host is like a horror movie. Does Okja have murder in it? Uh, yes. Animal but murder. Not a, yeah, it has animal <laughs> murder, but it's not in the same way that I guess these movies are. But it's, it's not still like pretty tense in those sequences, at yeah, least. Yeah, oh, it's that, the one sequence in the factory or whatever. Yeah, like, but that's, the very, at the very end, that's yeah. That's a really upsetting scene, yeah. Yeah, but like, it sounds like, yeah, every single one of his movies have like this, you know, this macabre feel to it right i love i love it i love his style it's so good but yeah i'll have to watch it at some point i don't know as you say they're all streaming on hulu oh yeah barking dogs never bite host uh this one and one parasite those, barking those four. Are short. uh no i think it's a feature okay yeah i think it's a feature but all four of those are on hulu and i'm hoping memories of a murder shows up soon because yeah. neon and hulu have their partnership yeah i gotta watch all the like snowpiercer memories of a murder mother yeah, we gotta oh, do we gotta do a parasite episode soon because i've been itching to <laughs> that's why i'm like sort of slowly leading up to it yeah, are you like trying to nudge me into that direction i am i am as we as we approach <laughs> oscars we have oscar episodes planned out so maybe one of those ret- needs to be a retrospective of parasite in the one-year anniversary of yeah. it coming out i'm i'm down for that <laughs> um but let's get into the one thing that we overlapped this week the devil all the time we talked about the trailer as well as some images i think a while back this is the antonio campos movie that hit netflix this week starring robert pattinson tom holland um who else is in this thing riley keogh jason clark um mia washakowska uh, eliza scan the cast goes on and on and on and on 
Um, and we were both pretty excited about this thing after seeing the trailer, especially knowing this cast and myself having some familiarity with Antonio Campos as the director. Um, but I'll start by saying I was really, really let down by this thing. I think it's a pretty bad movie, honestly. What do you think? Well, I just want to say that the reason that <clears throat> I didn't review more stuff this week is because the other stuff I reviewed was for the Nolan episode that came out on Thursday. Because you're lazy. Because you're lazy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, because I'm lazy. <clears throat> but yeah, this movie was pretty big, pretty big disappointment considering the cast and how much, like, I have this film group that I'm a part of, and they're all, they're, most of them were hyping the movie, and I was like, you know, I'll, I'll watch when I have time for watching it, and then I watched it last night, and it's a two hour, two hour, almost two and a half hour runtime. I took a nap in the middle of it, I had to rewind. <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of pointless, very aimless, it's very unfocused. There's a lot of villains, but the villains don't have much to do with, like, the actual main character up until these very small moments in, like, the third act, the final, the final minutes of the third act, and, you know, it just feels like uh, a very mismatch, loosely attached vignettes. You know, it's, I don't know. What, I don't know what he was going for with this movie. I, I have no idea what he was going for. It's based off a book, but it seems to have like no message or meaning at the end. Um, it's also weird that like everybody in this cast is either like Australian or British, but they're playing like people from West Virginia and like Ohio and stuff like that, like very American places. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was strange. Like, ba- like almost every single cast member in this thing. The only person that I think that is not um australian or british was riley keogh right right yeah and, and jason clark is, is like is british he's australian he's australian oh. uh mia washakowska is australian uh tom holland and robert pattinson are obviously sebastian british. stan bill skarsgård yeah. yeah bill skarsgård yeah he, he's actually really good bill skarsgård is really good in this um i was surprised that he hit that accent as well as he did but he was only there for like what the first 20 minutes yeah first 20 minutes or so the way i've been describing this movie is like you know those like um valentine's day movies where like 10 people cross stories and fall in love in new york city Mm-hmm. This is like that, oh, but like ten people's like ten people in West Virginia like kill each other and their stories like crossover. Like it, it feels like that sort of thing. And those movies are never good as is. And this sort of hit that same mark. Well, for me in terms of I, I will say Robert Pattinson just continues to do great work in whatever he's attached to. Great. I, I love I, I loved him in this movie. Great is a subjective. Word. Great is a really subjective. He's word. really funny in this movie. He's, he's entertaining. I'll give him that. <laughs> I don't know. And there's like all these articles right that are coming out this week about his like how he didn't tell anybody about his accident, didn't reveal it, and didn't get a dialect. He's just like, I'm just going to go out there and do what I want to do. It'll ruin me, Mang. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll give him credit for at least being entertaining. I don't know if good is the right word to use here. Um, I think just the contrast of how, how different very, from how, everybody else. How, how funny his character comes off of in regards to like, the, the story around him. But like, that's why I was like confused. He's ir- because... irreprehensible and like, irredeemable in his character, but the way he executes his character is, just, is, just, is very fun. But that's why I was like so confused because like he is not like – every other person in this movie is like such a serious like downer and like he's obviously not that and although that was probably his intention like did antonio campos was he like okay with that because it doesn't seem like that director would be okay with that choice well i mean i don't think he had much of a choice because i think robert Pattinson just wanted to do what he wanted to do yeah i guess i guess (laughs) was there anything like from the performances or anything that stood out to you as good outside of robbie p (laughs) yeah um I don't know, people were saying Tom Holland, like the group chat. I'm part of, I'm people, people are, people are like guys. coming out here and being like, Tom Holland should get nominated for an Oscar. And I'm just like, every time a Marvel actor does something that's not a Marvel movie, everybody's like, give him an Oscar, give him an Oscar. Chill out. Like, he's not that good in this movie. Yeah, and I don't know. I, I really can't say because, like, what's it's, it's the it's the corrupt sheriff, it's the very horny priest, and <laughs> the serial killer. Yeah. <clears throat> and... They don't. The, my thing with the movie is the fact that they don't really have a huge vesting impact into like this um, journey of, I don't know, salvation. 
in Tom Holland's character. Sure. Or or, or his progression as an adult. Mm-hmm. It's just like they're just very loosely attached to what but, Tom Holland is going through. Even that, like what you're saying, I agree with you 100%. But also, like, what are we even supposed to take away from Tom right. Holland's journey? Like, I didn't take I, away anything from it. I, I, nothing. I don't. I can't really say. Like, he's like this guy. He's an orphan. Yeah. Spoiler. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> Don't watch it. It's just I don't care. <laughs> it's not it's worth a, it. It's not worth it. He's like a, he's an orphan. He beats on bullies that bully his stepsister. Uh, he doesn't like church. He kills the priest. He kills the serial killer. He kills the sheriff. Why? What? What? What purpose does that serve to his character? Exactly. Like what? What purpose does that serve to anything? Like it doesn't have any purpose to the story. As that's a what whole. I'm saying. That's why I took a nap and I had to rewind. Like, I was like where did I leave off at? Like yeah. W- like, it's very slow too. Like it's, it's not well at two and a half hours long. Like when I when I turned it was like two twenty or whatever, right? Like when I turned it on, I was like, oh my god! Like Wednesday night, I was sitting there and I was like, oh my god, two like, hours I, and twenty minutes. No, thank you. <laughs> listen, like, I, the tone I got from the trailer and like the synopsis was that it was gonna be a mystery, but like, what's the mystery in the movie? There's no mystery. What, and what, it's are, like, what are they trying to solve or what are they trying to? prevent well it's supposed to be like thriller too right and it's not even like thrilling or tense like like a something like a mother or some of these murder mysteries and stuff like that like exactly what you're saying it, it doesn't sort of like, there's, there's no purpose it serves what's this genre just like drama <laughs> I, I don't know a drama that wants to be a mystery i guess i don't know it's 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 weird it's a weird experiment and i guess i give the director props for like going all in on it but I, I don't think... I don't but you think did recommend to me that instead of watching this movie, you should watch another Antonio Campos. Did you want to give recommendations? Yes, Christine. Christine is the one that I want to recommend people to. Um, oh, my fucking God. What happened? Anthony Davis just hit a buzzer beater to beat... Oh, yeah. You're like 30 seconds behind on the broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have the, we're watching the basketball <laughs> podcast for anybody that is, uh, is wondering. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Why did you say anything? I, 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 I was I'm trying to stay in character, man. You can't break character. <laughs> um, Sorry, yeah, go ahead. Christine was the one I wanted to recommend to people. It's on Netflix. Um, as Rebecca Hall, who plays one of the wife characters, or the wife character, I guess, to Christian Bale's character in The Prestige, um, for people that don't know her. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to reveal too much about the plot. I'd say don't read about it because I think it is based off a true story. Um, but it takes some really dark turns, very twisted story. It's a really dark story, and it's it's a far more effective use of Antonio Campos' directorial style, I think. Okay, well, I mean, this is the first one I've seen of him, and if this is what he has to offer, which I'm not saying he no. does because of what you're saying, yeah. Uh, but if like if this was my first venture into Antonio Campos's filmography, I probably wouldn't go out of my way to watch another one of his movies. One other thing that's good about Devil All the Time, the fact that Dudley jumps spiders <laughs> on his face is really good. <laughs> I like that scene a lot. He has a he has a he has a religion that was a villain in Netflix movies. Yeah, he does. Oh, yeah, the old guard. That's right. That's yep. a, that's an also a Netflix original. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess both of us are saying we don't recommend this one, unfortunately. I mean, it's not it's not awful. But it's just like it's just very pointless. Yeah, I, agree. I didn't get I didn't get I didn't get anything from, anything from it. And at two and a half hours long, like it, it's just not worth it if we're being completely honest. Um, yeah. So that'll close out this episode of Talking Movies. Thanks to everybody for joining us. Um, as always, please be sure to check out our episode notes for resources on Black Lives Matter. Uh, Sam, let people know where they can find you online. 
You can find me on my Twitter at Sam Zero So and on my Instagram at Sam Osorio, O-S-O-R-I-O. You can find me at RodSod236. Um, as always, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast as well as sharing it with your friends and family. You can find us on iTunes or Apple Spot- Apple Podcasts, not iTunes, uh, Spotify, Anchor, and all the other popular platforms. Um, as always, we'll be back later this week with our featured episode, so come back and join us today.